What drives success? Better yet, what even is success and who defines it? One word, competition. Competition to be the best, the top, the go-to. But who are we competing with? Siblings, the Joneses, coworkers? That girl at the gym with the belly shirt and the 80s hair and the high-waist biker shorts doing a deadlift? You all know who I'm talking about. How about all of the above? Doesn't this ever get exhausting? After all, there's always going to be somebody out there doing a better job of doing what you're doing than you. But you know what you'll always be the best at? Being you. Like really, 80s belly shirt girl? She was out of the race before she even began. She doesn't even do cardio. Here in the US, we're placed on a path to compete for the exact same things from birth. Our parents want us to go to the top schools with the highest rankings to get the best grades and to land the highest paying jobs. We compete in sports, music, the arts, even hot dog eating contests. Okay, maybe not that last one unless you live in New York. But when we grow up, competition has been so embedded in us that we can't get enough, ever. We want promotions, we want the job, we want the nicest houses and the nicest cars. We want to catch up with our sister who's three years younger than us who had three kids three years ago. We compete against absolutely everybody and anybody because it's what we do. And then we teach our kids to do the same thing. But what if we want something different in life? A competition with ourselves, an acceptance that there is more to life than the expectation of others. Who says that we're failures if we don't go to college at 18 or the highest degree, the better? Who says that taking a year off is frowned upon? Who says that engineering and analytical jobs are more respected than being a writer or a musician because they make more money? Who says that taking a vacation overseas means you're well off? Who decided that jobs define us? The answer might surprise you. The answer is nobody but you. Maria Elena, and you are listening to Purple Hood Adventures Podcast. I'm a travel-obsessed entrepreneur working from my home in Ohio to connect travelers from all over the world and to help you make your one days a reality and stop living for the weekend. I seek constant adventure while maintaining an outwardly appearing normal life with a husband, a cat, and a full-time job as a remote speech-language pathologist. I live a real-life accidental comedy show as seen through the eyes of my trusty Mount Zion purple windbreaker as I make my way around the world and live a life of the unordinary but not the extraordinary. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to week two of Purple Hood Adventures podcast. This is our second episode ever. So get ready for some fun and excitement today. I'd never leave you without such. Um, I do want to update everybody on how my life has been over the past week. I think I mentioned last week that my birthday was on Friday. Um, So yes, I'm now a year older, 32 years old. And I think last Wednesday, I said something along the lines of um, being like 11,686 days old or something like that. Well, I had to update everybody because obviously I'm seven days older than that now. So today is actually my record number of days lived. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> if you think I'm crazy, um, you might not have heard my first episode. Otherwise, you just think I'm totally nuts. And um, that's okay because that's what most people say anyway. So you wouldn't be the first. All right. Um, one other thing is uh, I do actually have a new addition to my family. And no, I am not pregnant. Um, but I did get a new cat uh, for my birthday. His name is Colonel Mustard. And currently, he is walking around my house right now, um, exploring his new terrain. My other cat, Samson, is not such a fan right now. Um, So if you do hear cat meows in the background, um, it's not a brain tumor. Don't get an MRI. Those are expensive. Um, You may hear him say hello at some point. Uh, Don't be alarmed. So yes, you may hear a hello meow at some point. Uh, today, actually, as I promised last week, I do want to have my first interviewee. So you probably all are wondering who that's going to be. And actually, I've been thinking long and hard about who I wanted. And I determined that I was going to actually start with somebody really simple. It would be my husband. And the reason I selected him after thinking about this was because my focal point of today's episode is... Um, Living that work-life balance and allowing yourself to experience life and pursue your passions while also being able to function in society. Obviously, you know, we we have to have money to be able to live, um, but at the same time, we want to be able to live our lives in a fulfilling manner. So sometimes that can be sort of an, an interesting balance. And I wanted to talk about the drive to compete, um, you know, just following a certain path of expectations that sometimes our culture sort of forces us into. And some people enjoy that type of um, sequence of events. But, you know, I think some people also feel a little bit just just um, forced into certain situations and a timeline of events, which doesn't always work out for everybody. And it's just the way our societal structure is set up. You know, there's just, there's a lot of expectations from others. And um, today I'm actually also going to talk about some stats in the U.S. about having time off um, and just taking vacation days. And, you know, you know, I'm, I'm not just talking about vacation days, like going on a vacation. That's not even necessarily everything I'm talking about. I'm also talking about, you know, time spent with family, time relaxing, time enjoying life, because ultimately that's what it's about. I mean, we think about it. If we work, we're, we're trying to earn money. And what is this money going to do? It's going to help us live lives, our lives, the way that we, you know, how we want them to be. It's going to hopefully get us the things that, you know, we want most in life. For me, it's, you know, spending my earned money on traveling or building my business. Um, for somebody else, it's, it's something different, you know, so it's about balancing, uh, having money, well, having enough money to do what you need to do, but also, you know, being able to pursue, what drives you. So I think that's ultimately the goal. Um, and it's about balance and doing what we love. Um, and a lot of times in the corporate world and a lot of different, just a lot of different jobs in general, it's the drive is work, 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 drive, drive, drive. And, you know, there's no time, no time off. 
um, there's kind of like a busyness epidemic almost. It's like, you know, the busier you are, the, the higher up you are, the more important you're seen. It's like, you know, not being busy. It's like, oh, what's, what's wrong with them? You know, oh, that person, um, they have time to do this. You know, obviously I don't have the time, you know, there's a, there's a, a stigma against not being busy. And it, I don't know if that's something everywhere, but it definitely seems to be here in my own culture. So I do want to talk a little bit about that um, and just talk about some of the norms in our society um, in general. And the reason I selected my husband, his name is Dan, by the way. You'll get to meet him in just a little bit. He works for a gas company, okay, a large corporation. And when I say gas company, (laughs) I don't mean like car gas or you know, gas from your stomach. I mean, gas as in natural gas that powers heat and electric. So, um, yes, in case you were wondering. Um, and the reason I selected him is because his job is very analytical. It's well-respected, kind of like I talked about in my intro. Um, he does have one of those seen as top desirable jobs sort of in our culture. Um, and the reason that... I think that his job is a little bit different is because he actually does get a little bit more time off. Um, you know, he's married to me and, um, I pretty much force him to use all of his vacation times into these trips and and, no, actually he does actually really like them, but I think that he's sort of, um, grown to love them more, the more we do them because he's starting to realize, Hey, look at, look at all these things there are to do out there and to see. So it does kind of bode well, you know, that he is able to get some more time off and that his company is allowing of taking vacation days and, you know, so everything out there is not all kind of a one size fits all. So there's lots of different types of jobs and corporations out there. Um, and I thought that, you know, his, what he does every day is sort of like kind of right in the middle. So I kind of wanted to get a good view of both, um, the balance of, um, you know, working for a larger company, but also, you know, living, living your life and taking the time off. Um, and actually a fun fact is my husband and I, we, met in a German class at Ohio University. He had gone uh, to Germany for a business class, and I was about to study abroad there. So we met in um, good old Gordy Hall. Um, I think it was like 109 or something. I don't know, useless information. But if anyone's ever been to Ohio University, that's where we met. Um, And for him, it's about balancing, like I said, um, you know, in the corporate life, succeeding, um, you know, and succeeding for different people means different things. So, you know, when you're succeeding, what does that really mean? Um, A lot of people, I think, get sucked into this mindset of, you know, winning, 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 driving, 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 go, 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 you know, um, reach that goal, reach the next goal. And, but are you really winning though? That's the thing. Are, is winning, what is winning? You know, are you happy? And I think that's the ultimate goal is being able to be happy. And I think that's really winning, you know, um, just being able to be satisfied in yourself and what you're doing. And for many people, that's different things. And, not, like I said before, not all one, um, size fits all on that. And today we're just going to kind of talk about the differences in our culture in comparison to a lot of cultures around the world. And, you know, I wish it weren't so I'm going to kind of talk about some, um, sort of sobering facts about, um, just our, 
just kind of the mindset and um, the allowances of taking any time off at all, um, whether it's paid or not paid, you know, just having the ability to live life um, outside of your um, nine to five. So we will be talking about that. But first, I do actually have to exit my closet. It's not very interesting to have an interview in here, not to mention, um, just so you know, this kind of closet, I don't actually have a walk-in closet. So yes, I'm sitting in one tiny little little cramped closet, and I'm still looking at my 2003 shirts. And um, yeah, so, oh, and one more thing. Uh, we are going to be having... A little game today in our interview. Maybe um, you guys all enjoyed that last week, right? <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Um, I will see you when I'm not in my closet. Hello, everybody. I'm sitting here now in my living room with my husband, Dan Menyes. Um, actually, we call him Mayonnaise. That is a slight relation to his actual last name, which is Menyes. Kind of sounds the same. Anyway, we are sitting here in our living room eating cheese and pepperoni and crackers. And currently, he refuses to turn off the Cleveland Indians baseball game. He's a huge fan. Um, it's So it's actually currently muted in our living room, and there is no sound on it, but he's watching it. That was the only way I could get him to do an interview. So if any of you are married and you can probably relate to this if you have a husband that is a sports fanatic. So as I introduced him earlier, I'm going to have him say hello here. So Hi, everybody. All right. So I'm going to actually start by just asking some questions. Now, like I told you guys earlier, this is my first interviewee and it's somebody that lives with me. So it should be kind of interesting. Um, because I kind of know some of his answers, but I actually don't really know what he's going to say. So it's it should be interesting. All right. And so I'd actually like to start out with asking you, what is your favorite place that you've been to and why? Do you mean in general or just like on vacation or trips? So like places that you've been to, like just anywhere you've been, like any kind of experience you've had. Well, outside of the Indians Stadium, that's probably my favorite place in the world. Second favorite would probably have to be, no, seriously, though, my favorite place in the world would probably be our trip to Peru when we did the Inca Trail. We did a, it was like a four-day, three-night hiking trail through the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu, and that was just by far the coolest, most mind-opening thing I've ever done, by far. It was just something I'll never forget. It's been almost three years, actually, to the day that we did that. It was late August, early September when we hiked the trail, and I still think about it quite a bit. So, but really, though, like, why, though? Is it something that, you know, is it, like, why particularly that experience over other things we've done? Well, I mean, the, the one thing I think for sure is you were forced to disconnect. I mean, there was no cell reception within hundreds of miles of the trail. So you were forced to break away from this technology and really experience the moment, enjoy the nature and the people around you. So that was something that was really, really freeing, something I actually really enjoyed a lot. So I heard you talking about disconnecting, and I think that is something that, you know, obviously our society has a hard time doing. I am guilty of it also. Um, just not being having connections to a screen. Something is sort of freeing about that, right? Yeah, I mean, even right now I have the Indians game on mute here. I mean, they're showing replays, and it's just if it's available, people use it. So it takes, I think, these days for you to be forced to disconnect for someone to actually do it. 
Yeah, it's true. Um, I remember that trip, and it was one of both of our top experiences. And just turning back on my phone, I remember like, oh god, I got to turn on Facebook again. Like, I'm gonna have all these notifications. It's gonna be crazy. So yeah, I totally got you on that one. Um, also, just do you think like having you know being out in nature just kind of helps you? Just kind of just frees you a little bit. You know, you're you're experiencing um, new terrain, and you know, also just you know meeting other people and other cultures yeah i mean the nature is obviously a huge part of it and like i said the people and just being away from something that's man-made for once and just kind of taking in you know earth and nature was something that was awesome it was and we didn't get sick either from the water because we had somebody to boil it so that was nice um yes and we had friends in brazil too which was really cool the whole trip all right so i'm gonna actually um, shift gears here for a second and i'm gonna ask you a question about uh, your current job so where you work now, I want you to tell me how you got into it um, and, you know, just how, how you got started and just basically what it is. I, I work for a large company in the Cleveland area and, I mean, I went through it the way a lot of people get into these type of jobs. I went to college, I uh, got my degree in business, did an internship and then just slid right in and I've been there over 10 years now, you know, as an analyst and it's been, it's been a good job. You know, I, I enjoy it quite a bit and... Um, but it is definitely a typical nine to five office job. Um, that's kind of where I'm at right now and where I see myself for, you know, the the future, I guess. But how did you get started with it? Like, was it something that, you know, actually, I don't really know this. How, how did you get started with it? Who, you know, where did you? Well, like in high school, well, in high school, I mean, um, junior, senior year, you start looking at career paths and colleges and, Everyone in my family and guidance counselors kind of started giving me options. They said what the job market was, and business was one of the top ones. And my family historically has been involved in business, so it seemed like a natural fit for me. So I went that route. Actually, my mom is a, in IT, and I tried computer programming for a little bit. It wasn't for me. So then I went the business finance route, economics, and I really did enjoy my business classes at OU. I, I thought it was an interesting field. I like the analytical part of it. Um, so that stuck as a major and then I got an internship that really aligned with something I was interested in in college so it's kind of fell into there okay well that's good though that you started something that you know interests you as opposed to something that you know you felt like you had to because of you know money or anything like that I mean there do you think money was influenced at all with that or the job market obviously you want to make sure you go into a major that has a a demand you don't want to go into 12th century English poetry because you're interested in it, you know, that's great, but there's no job for that. So you go to college looking for a job that you could potentially get out of school. So business was a natural fit. I started taking classes in business that I generally found interesting. Um, so I was able to find a job that lined up with what I was interested in college. So it worked out. Right. It's a tough, tough balance between uh, what makes money and what's interesting. So, yeah, I gotcha. Um, okay, so real quick, I want you to tell me about just like the culture there and, um, you know, how what's valued and how, how does one advance where you work? I think overall the culture is good where I work. I mean, we have a tight-knit group. It's a big company, but it doesn't feel like it at times in our, in our group. There's probably about 10, 12 people in our group, and we're pretty tight-knit. We worked well together, so, you know, the culture there I think is good. Um, there's not a whole lot of fighting to get to the top or anything like that. We all work well together. 
Um, but as far as to advance, I mean, you do a good job. You go above what's expected. Um, what do you mean by do a good job and go above what's expected? What does that mean exactly? Well, you just, if you, if you're, you have certain roles and tasks you're expected to perform in your job, and if you're able to complete them um, on time accurately, and then maybe dive in deeper to what was expected and give some deeper results, that's something that they look fairly on, and you can get rewarded for that. Okay. Like promotions, that kind of yeah, thing? Promotions, yeah, promotions, raises, all that fun stuff. Okay. All right. Um, real quick, um, I do want to talk about what's probably on everybody's mind. What is the vacation policy where you work, and what's the norm around taking vacation? I should probably know this, but I'm actually not quite sure entirely, but yeah. So tell when, me. when you start out, you get three weeks of vacation for the first 10 years, and then after their 10 years, you get a month of vacation. So actually, I'm lined up here. Next year, I'll get a month of vacation instead of three weeks, which would be nice. Um, and then, yeah, as far as taking it, as long as you have your responsibilities taken care of and coverage if you need it, it's not a problem. You just take your vacation. Good, good. Um, does everybody take their vacation, do you think? Like everybody that's offered it, do you think everybody? No, qu quite a few people roll over. And when I say roll over, I mean they don't use everything that you're allowed to in their current year and they put it into next year. So I'd say that happens quite a bit where people will be given, let's say, four weeks of vacation, but they only use three weeks. And then they'll roll over the extra week into the next year, and they'll continuously roll over as much you know the maximum amount they're allowed to into the next year. What so is the maximum amount? It's one by week. The way. You can roll over one week. One week, okay. Okay. All right. So um, yeah. So it sounds like where you work, it's actually a little bit more um, a little bit more vacation than what I've heard, obviously in the past from other people. So that's that's pretty good. Um, okay, so uh, does um, what do you think? Um, what what do coworkers say? Like, how do they react when you say you're going on another trip with me? I'll tell you guys, um, I do make him go on a lot of trips, <laughs> but he also likes it. Don't well, you, you a little make bit? me go on trips? I enjoy going on the trips. <laughs> That's good. No, but I'm I'm known around the office as the guy who takes I've these exotic. His mind. <laughs> I'm I'm known around the office as the guy who takes exotic long trips and. I typically take it around the same time every year, early summer, midsummer. So I get questions all the time. So where are you headed next? Where, where's your big trip next? Where are you going? You know, they know that I'm going somewhere exotic and new. You know, it's not going to be a trip to Florida or Myrtle Beach. So they love hearing about it. They ask, you know, where are you going? And I'll tell them Thailand or Australia or Peru. Is that not typical? Do other people ever, I mean, do other I've people mainly people. go I've there? I've met people at work that take those type of trips, but obviously it's rarer than people who go to Florida or something. So People are interested and curious, and they're excited to hear about it. Good, good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, okay, so actually we're going to pause here for just one minute, and I'm going to insert one of my infamous games into today's oh, no. podcast. Yes. <laughs> um, I, like I said earlier, I just had my birthday, and we literally had to spend a whole day playing word games. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but this is a little bit more fun. There's actually only going to be five questions. Um, and I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a question. Don't worry, guys. I ha actually did not tell him what these questions were. So he literally does not know what they are going to be or the answers. So um, these are entirely a surprise. 
Um, so I'm going to ask some questions relating to Americans and vacationing, and um, I'm just going to give you a multiple choice of three, and I want you to just take your best guess on what you think the correct answer is. I'm actually um, currently covering the questions with my hands. I have them written down because I don't have them memorized. Um, okay, so are you ready? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so the first one actually isn't that hard. It's not that difficult. But uh, what do you think the average amount of vacation days is for the average American that is offered one year of full-time employment? So one year full-time employment, what do you think the average vacation days is? So hold on, hold on. There's, oh. uh, hold on a second. What do you think? Two weeks, 10 days. Two weeks, okay. So yeah, so your multiple choice was 14 days, 10 days, or 20. So what do you think? T 10 days. Okay, obviously you knew that one. <laughs> but uh, so here's just a little bit of information for everybody. Um, one year um, employment, uh, employers were noted to have up to 10 vacation days, five years, 15 days, 10 years, 17 days, and 20 years, 20 days. So that's literally probably a day a year. And that's about half your career. So um, that's actually still less than many countries offer um, employees straight up. Wait, so so it's was, actually... What was, what was 20 days? 20 days was 20 years. Oh, wow. So I'm way ahead of that. Yeah. So uh, that's what I said. Like, it's your your company, obviously, is much better with vacation times than many, um, which bodes well for me, by the way. <laughs> so selfishly. Um, and real quick, guys, I do want to give you some quick stats on that. The U.S. is actually the only advanced economy that does not guarantee workers vacation time. Think about that for a minute. What do you think about that? That's crazy. Okay. <laughs> yes, it's crazy to say the least. Um, also in Europe, at least four weeks or 20 working days of fa paid vacation um, are allowed for employees. Uh, well, and oh, another another thing is that uh, well, ninety percent of American workers that are that do work full time are offered at least some form of vacation time or paid time off. Um, only forty percent of part time people receive vacation. What if you need to work part time and you have, you know, a, a family to support you? Only four, that's not even half of part time workers are offered any vacation time. What do you think? I mean, honestly, if you're working part-time, you know, you're afforded more time off. So companies need you there. If you're working 20 hours, I can see why companies want you there for those 20 hours as opposed to someone who's working full-time where your day, your day, five days a week, is spent at work. If you're working part-time, you know, it would be nice to have vacation on top of that. But I can see why companies don't necessarily offer it as much. Well, that, that's fine. I mean, I agree that maybe it should be less, obviously, but I do think that, you know, obviously some people can't work for, you know, full time. Maybe they have a loved one that they have to take care of or they have something going on. Or there's some kind of reason that they can't. Um, so they're just not allowed vacation time ever. I mean, do you think that? I, well, I mean, I don't know. I think everybody has different opinions on that, but um, I don't know. You know just at least those some people, form. Those people are more hourly employees who they can schedule time off, but it's not paid for it. Right. So, there's a difference there where, you know, hourly employees who take time off and they're just not paid for that work versus salaried employees who, you know, are paid the same amount regardless of hours worked, they're the ones who typically get the vacation, I think. Right, right. Well, I think they should get more vacation because obviously they, but I mean, maybe just a little bit of time off would be helpful, I guess. Um, 
but that's just the case, 40%. Um, and also, one other fun fact I wanted to talk about was that countries um, actually have some mandated days off of 30 or more days a year. There are some countries out there. And Austrians actually get 13 paid public holidays and 25 days of annual leave. So that type of thing. So some countries actually get paid holidays, 13 of them, and then 25 days of annual leave. Um, that's still more than the 20 years we have here for 20 years of experience. It's a little interesting note. Um, okay, real quick, next question. Um, so what percent of Americans don't use their full amount of vacation days, do you think? So it's kind of known that Americans don't take their vacation days. So we have a choice. We have more than 70%, more than 17%, or more than 55%. I'll say 70%. That seems the craziest answer, so that's probably right. I did that on purpose. It's actually more than 55%. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, I did throw it's a curveball in that one. Um, yeah, well, here's the thing about that is, um, here, this, this will blow your mind. So in 2018, 768 million days were unused um, of vacation time in the United States. <clears throat> so that um, 768 million days, that's a lot of days. And of those two. 136 million were totally forfeited. That means they didn't even take them. That means that they were just gone. They vanished. Um, I mean, that's insane. <laughs> that's a lot of days. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that first number is what I was talking about earlier with the rollover vacation where you don't forfeit them, but you're not taking them. So the people who have four or five weeks of vacation, but they only take four or three. Roll, that's part of that number. That happens quite a bit. I know a lot of people who perpetually roll over the maximum amount they can. Where I, for example, I'll roll over maybe a day or a two. But if I do that, it's anticipation of a bigger trip the next year. So, for example, when we went to Australia or um, Thailand this this year, I had vacation rolled over from the previous year that I knew I was going to be using for a bigger trip this year. But yeah, it's, that's sad. People feel like they can't break away. That's really That's really what it comes down to. It's not that they don't want to take it they feel like they can't right rollover that's a different that's a different story but i mean those 236 million you know days forfeiting were... <laughs> ones, most people i don't know anybody who forfeits vacation days you it, don't personally but I mean, apparently they exist at, at, least, at least in my company you know if you, the fact you can roll it over i think keeps that from happening but certain kind of companies might not offer the rollover where then you end up forfeiting it Right. I can see that happening. I actually used to work for a company that offered rollover, but they also offered cash for those days. And I think most people took the cash for some... used to offer the cash. Yeah, yeah. They got rid of that. I would have taken the vacation. But, you know, it's up to your own personal belief. Um, Yeah, anyway, that's... uh, Fun fact, totaled uh, $65.5 billion lost um, from vacation days that were unused. Um, Okay, next question. What percentage of Americans work on their vacation. So we said 55% of more people um, don't take their vacation days. So um, of the people that do take their vacation days, which is under half, how many, what percent do you think actually work on their vacation? Is it 25%, 56%, or 43%? I'll say 43%. 
And we're wrong again. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't tell you these ahead of time. It's actually 56%. So of the under half of people that are um, not taking their – or that are taking their vacation days – 56%, over half of those people are actually working on their vacation. Um, talk about not being able to disconnect. Um, some people actually, um, so I want to actually give you some reasons why Americans will say that they do not take their vacation time and why they are working on vacation. Uh, one reason is fear of work piling up while they're gone. I know that's true for my husband. He's constantly checking emails at work. Well, I mean, at, on vacation, he's checking work emails. Um, fear of being seen as replaceable, that's another one, um, to show greater dedication to their jobs. So showing dedication, they think, means working more, which um, I think maybe you know taking days off actually improves your work quality. That's just me. Um, the belief that no one else can do their jobs. It's a little egocentric, but that's a thought. And uh, here's the last one. This is the kicker. Judgment from coworkers. So we talked about judgment. We talked about competition. Coworkers thinking that you are slacking. I don't know what it is, but, you know, other pe- what basically the reaction from other people thought that was interesting. All right. Question number four. A um, few more stats for you. So in the UK, 70% of people own current up-to-date passports. And I'm talking up-to-date passports. I don't mean those passports that are sitting in the basement collecting dust that you think are up-to-date and you try to take on vacation and quickly realize they're not going to let you on the plane. Um, Okay, so 76% of people from the UK, I think I said 70, 76%. Uh, in Australia, one of the most isolated countries slash continents on the planet, 70% of residents own passports. In Canada, the country directly north of us, 60% of residents own passports, up-to-date ones. Uh, what do you think the percentage of Americans that currently own passports? Is it 14%, 50%, or 42%? I'll say 42%. All right, we got a winner on that one. It is 42%. Um, but the thing about that is actually this for, this 40 per, 42% is a result of some of our neighboring countries now requiring passports, such as Canada or Mexico. Um, this actually kind of began back in 2007, and it was a response to the 9-11 attacks that we had in 2001. So... Um, there has been a lot of people that have increased their passport um, getting, for lack of a better word, because uh, Canada and Mexico now requires it. Um, if anybody is curious, back in 1999, only 4% of U.S. citizens owned a passport. So it's a big jump there. Um, okay, so there's one question left here. And I'm going to say, um, what do you think is the percentage of people who have never left the country ever in the United States? Is it 40%, 25%, or 37%? It's 37%. Okay, it's 40%. Oh, no. Actually, that's pretty close. I don't know why I put two answers that are so close, but I did. 
Oh, well. <laughs> um, so the bonus here about this, this is a little bonus info for you. Um, 11% of Americans have never even traveled outside of his or her, her own state before, um, which I thought was crazy. Um, a lot of people say, oh, well, we're not like Europe. You know, Europe can, you know, there's a lot of countries next to each other where they can travel between countries. That's obviously very true. There's a lot of accuracy to that, yes. But having... Um, you know, in the United States, uh, states are very similar to countries. And as many as 11 people have never even left the state that they were actually born in. So that is um, a little piece of information. Also, 32% of Americans say that they have actually never even owned luggage, nor can they remember ever buying any. So, well, I guess that kind of goes hand in hand, but 32%, that's, I mean, what do you think? Is that a lot or no? Is, I mean, am I crazy? I mean, that's, that's a pretty low. Like you said, though, a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's states and the country's huge. So that's part of it. But, you know, the thing that struck out to me but, was that, you know, Australia is isolated and they have 70% of people who have been outside. So I think it's a mixture of obviously the size of our country and then the diversity within the country itself, but then also kind of the culture of not necessarily traveling abroad in general. Right, right, yeah. But I mean, like, the luggage thing, too. That's kind of weird. Oh, the luggage. That, that's that's wild. Yeah, I mean, I probably wouldn't have luggage. I mean, I'll throw my crap in a backpack. Does that count? I mean, I... I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> Depends I mean, on what they a, call as luggage. A, as a guy, I can get two, three weeks of crap in a, in a backpack, so I don't know mm-hmm. if I would have... I mean, I probably would, I guess, but... That's that's weird. You don't have luggage. I mean, forget vacations. Do you never spend a weekend at your parents' house or something? That's that's crazy. Yeah, I thought so. But, I mean, I guess, I don't know what they consider luggage. That's a good question. Um, I'm still currently learning on, uh, or working on learning how to pack a little lighter. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm working on it, guys. I really am. Um, okay. So, yeah. So, those are just some interesting numbers. Um, I just thought they were really, really weird when I was looking at those. Um, so, can you actually relate to any of these reasons why people don't take vacation or why people, you know, can't leave work at work? Is that Can you relate to any of this? Well, I mean, the one, like you said, I mean, I don't want to get buried is my big thing. I mean, especially... If I take a couple of days off here and there, that's fine. But if I'm gone for two and a half, three, three and a half weeks, if I don't check my email and I don't log in at all, I will come back to you. I mean, I'm talking over a thousand emails. And to bury out of that, or to dig out of that would just be a nightmare. So I'd rather spend 10 minutes a day on my vacation clearing out junk email than come back to a thousand emails on top of the work that's waiting for me um, so that's a reason it's really hard to to break away. I mean, the stuff about um, feeling like you, you could be replaced or that you feel guilty, that that I don't feel so much, but definitely I just want to get buried. And you, I would be buried if I let it all stack up. Right, yeah. I mean, that's usually something that we talk about on our trips is yeah. you do feel buried. Yeah. I, I, I understand that, you know, sometimes I feel like I need to check work emails when I'm on vacation. Cause yeah, you, you feel like you're buried, you know, you feel like you're going to fall behind if, Oh my gosh, you're not part of your daily routine for five minutes. Um, yeah, but I totally understand you because I'm in the same boat. Um, yeah, so real, I, I do want to ask you one question. Assuming that you could, um, sustain yourself financially, 
what kind of repercussions or reactions would happen if you told like your family and friends that you're going to go sell your house and buy a camper van and travel the country full time? What do you what do you think would happen? I mean, if they, if they knew that I could support myself financially and they weren't wondering how I was doing it, let's you know, let's say that you know I had a remote job or you know, we hit the lottery or something like that, they'd probably be curious and excited to hear about it. But I think the big question I would get is they wouldn't know how I was doing it. And they'd be, well, how is he doing that? How is he able to break away and hit the road? So it all depends on if they what they knew and if, if they knew that I was able to truly afford it. Because I think that's what it comes down to is the money part of it. So if they thought that I couldn't afford it and that Dan is out of his mind for draining his retirement or giving up a full-time job, that'd be one thing. If they knew that I could financially do it, they'd be excited and curious about it. That's good. Yeah, a lot of families would not, which is why I'm glad we have our family. Um, they'd probably also be looking at me like, what did Marie say? What did she... Well, um... they definitely blame you, absolutely. <laughs> I know. They think I'm nuts. Um, <laughs> I am nuts. All right. Um, and what do you, what is your ultimate... Real quick, what is your ultimate dream and drive in life? Like, do you have any... Well, I already kind of know them. I'm just asking for... Um, Everybody else's sake, what is your ultimate dream and drive in life? I just want to have, keep exploring. I really do want to see more of the world and explore and just and be comfortable at the same time, too. You know, have a stable home life, stay, be stable financially, and continue to travel, see the world. When we do have kids, I want to expose them to the exact same values that we have as far as letting them see the world and instilling them the values that you can learn outside the classroom and explore beyond you know what's on tv that night i think that's critically important you know i've learned more traveling and seeing the world than i ever did in a history class or in a geography class so you know i think that'd be really valuable to pass on to our kids that's the long-term goal is to pass on those values to our kids um, but then me personally i just want to keep seeing and learning myself too because really you don't stop learning when you're traveling you always are experiencing new things and learning more about history and cultures and people. And I think that's awesome. That's one thing that I've really taken away from our travels is not so much just the relaxation and getting away from work, which is, you know, whatever, that's nice, but it's really just seeing the world and taking in perspectives from a different set of eyes. You know, it's, it's really interesting to see how how other people live and how they view the world. Mm, Spot on. (laughs) Um, Okay. So, um, do you have any unfulfilled um, passions or regrets? And if so, what's stopping you from pursuing them now, do you think? Do you have any? I mean, probably the biggest one for me, it's, it's kind of related to travel. I, I want to get my private pilot's license. I've wanted to do that since I was 16 years old. I mean, I wanted to be a pilot initially, like a commercial pilot back in high school and even earlier middle school. But going back to the whole college and jobs thing, just the market was terrible at the time and the cost of studying you know, commercial aviation was outrageous, so I, I didn't go down that route. But I would like to get my private pilot's license one day and have the ability to fly myself places. And me. I, yeah, and, and, <laughs> and you, obviously, and whoever else wants to jump in. But, yeah, so that's one thing I really want to do one day. Right, yeah. I mean, we, we've talked about this before. I actually got him a, a little introduction flight for his birthday once. Um, it was 
incredible going up in this little tiny tiny jet and he was flying it, it was pretty jet, awesome well not a jet i shouldn't say what what kind of plane was it's it a prop plane a prop plane okay <laughs> you know what i mean i don't know planes but that would have been really cool so i think that's kind of cool he's mm. you know wants to fly planes and i want to travel i mean it's kind of perfect uh, <laughs> all right um and the last real well not the second last question but um Money, it, it's obviously always an elephant in the room for everybody. Um, it's ultimately what drives us in society, which obviously has good and bad effects. Obviously, society needs some kind of drive, like, you know, money. <laughs> but bad effects also. It can kind of go too far. How do you think drive um, for money relates to work-life balance? I mean, like you said, kind of money is what people rely on to to live and be entertained and be comfortable. So... If there's a promise of more of that through more work, a lot of people will be tempted to to do that and be pulled away from their life and their leisure and family and friends. So if you're offered an extra X amount of money to do X more hours of work, a lot of people will jump on that because, like I said, it, it, it leads to potentially a more comfortable lifestyle, more stable uh stable life so yeah i mean people i think will sacrifice the life part of their life for for work if it means more money yeah and i guess you know stability there's a difference between stability and you know having a lot of money you know where you can just i don't know it depends on what you want to spend your money on obviously but yeah some people start to get into it for the wrong reasons it's like rack up more money but you know you hear hear all the time about people about husbands or wives who get obsessed with their jobs and accumulating wealth and then yeah. before you know it they're they're divorced and alone because they prioritize their job and money over family right and that's ultimately not good at all <laughs> um okay and last question here is um what i mean well I'm, you kind of already answered this many times but uh what does travel really meant for you is it mainly just vacation or something more i mean you kind of already said that it's it's well, more you know, for you it's, it's also important like i said you know like i said earlier about experiencing cultures and a lot of fun stuff too but it is important to take vacations and just yes sit on the beach or go to a condo and relax for a week too and we, we do that too and that's that's also important it Every trip you take doesn't need to be some mind-blowing, culturally immersive experience. You know, you do need the time to just go to the beach, get get a few beverages, get a few, mm-hmm. few your favorite snacks, just sit there and start the ocean for a few days and decompress. You know, I think you need both really. You you really do to to have a have a good balance. Because um, when we take our big trips, they're exciting, but they're not relaxing. That's one thing they're not. So when we did Inca Trail or Peru or Thailand or Europe. I mean, those are awesome experiences, but they're not relaxing. You know, you need the relaxing vacations too, I think. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we definitely need to have some relaxing experiences. But on those types of trips, make sure you bring your sunscreen. (laughs) If you're me. If you're Dan here... Don't need any sunscreen. (laughs) Um, They actually thought he was Italian once. They thought I was Dutch once in Holland. Um, yeah, if that tells you anything. <laughs> All right, everybody. Um, thank you, Manny slash Dan, for being my first interviewee here on I our loved couch. It. Thank you. Our um, baseball game is still on. What is the score now? Are you I think still paying nine, attention? Nine to two, I think, is really bad. Nine to two. Yeah. Hmm. 
All right. Looks like they're playing the Mets. Maybe. Are we playing the Mets? I, I Are think they playing so. the Mets? Oh, you look like it. Yep. Hmm. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for being with us on our um, journey through the adventures of the American citizen, the typical work life and vacation balance. And um, we will have more discussions on that at another time. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. So there you have it, folks. As you see here, the United States and the American culture is just a bit behind the rest of the world when it comes to living a better work-life balance, um, taking time for ourselves, experiencing the world, learning about other countries, other cultures outside of our own. I think that all of those things are very important, and I think most people would agree and I think a lot, of, a lot of people get stuck in not even thinking about some of that because nobody around them is doing it. Nobody around them is talking about travel. Nobody around them is taking days off. So of course it's going to feel odd to do something like that, you know, to go against the typical, the typical expectations. And I'm so glad that I selected my husband for this interview today because he is sort of right in the middle. He's not one of those people that just says, oh, oh, I don't want to travel or, you know, I I don't want to get out there. I, I have too much to do. I'm too busy. He actually does take all of his vacation days and we do travel, you know, but it's, it's still not enough. I don't know. I, I'd love to be able for us to live a better work-life balance. And it's just not always possible when certain expectations are given. And you know, if, if the drive is high enough, you can always change it. People come up with excuses every day that, you know, they can't change their lives or they can't do something different. Well, no, you choose not to because you've already weighed the benefits and the alternatives and you've decided that it's not worth the risk. Well, when I took my teletherapy job, I outweighed the risk. And you know what? I, I never regretted it. And here I am building a life of location independence while building my own business and traveling and, you know, experiencing other cultures every day as I work in Alaska. I think that there's so much more to life than what other people tell you there is. Ultimately, you have control over everything that you do all the time. And if you're not happy, do something to change it. That's today's preach. And I want to thank everybody for being here today. And if there's any way I can help you change what you don't love or celebrate with you what you do love in your life, I'm here, remember, always. And I'm glad everybody enjoyed our little talk today. And hopefully everybody liked our game. And there was no Jeopardy music this week, so that's a plus, right? All right, guys, we will see you next week, next Wednesday. And until then, remember, live life on the wild side. And um, again, don't do anything I wouldn't do because I do just about everything. So, all right, guys, see you later. See you next week. This is Marie Elena, and you've been listening to 
Purple Hood Adventures podcast. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on our journeys today. If you think you'd like to hear more and you want to stay updated on the whereabouts of an accident-prone purple windbreaker, or if you just like to live the life of adventure through your earbuds, or maybe you enjoy restraining having milk coming out of your nose buds every week, don't forget to subscribe to my channel. Otherwise, you can check me out on my website at purplehoodadventures.com. Or you can check me out on Facebook slash Purple Hood Adventures, Instagram, or whatever other 8 million forms of social media you might use. Until then, stay tacky, San Francisco. And remember, life is not a book to be read, but a story to be told. So get out there. And remember, always, hood down and head out. <laughs>